Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Happy New Year and welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio Show. Here's a quick announcement. Our January heart-centered and passion-driven inspirations for better living digital magazine designed to help moms build a better future for themselves, their families, and loved ones is now live at inspirationsforbetterliving.com. January's theme is The New Me in the New Year. The magazine offers inspirational stories from our dedicated team of experts to help you navigate your current situations with confidence in your motherhood journey as the COO, if not the CEO, of your family. So please go to inspirationsforbetterliving.com and treat yourself to some engaging, entertaining, and enlightening stories. You deserve it. As for our radio show this morning, my guest for today is Jessica Coulter. Jessica is the founder and CEO of Ace Cookies Tutoring. Since fourth grade, she has dreamt about graduating as the valedictorian when she finished high school. It might seem silly to a lot of people. However, she was determined, and since then, every homework assignment she completed or the test she studied for in middle school and high school was done in the hopes of earning a 4.0 and being at the top of her class, the valedictorian. Today, besides accomplishing her dreams, Jessica uses her Ace Cookies tutoring to help students of all ages excel in their learning journey by offering them her 12 skills, study skills that are personalized to their learning habits and personalities through her Love to Learn Study Skills Program. When students discover how to learn at their own pace and understanding, this makes it easier for them and their parents. She works with tweens, teens, and college students to help them achieve their maximum learning potential. Jessica is also one of our featured expert contributors for our January Inspirations for Better Living magazine. Please go to inspirationsforbetterliving.com to read her inspiring and empowering stories to kick off the new year. Her story is Write It Down in our Cultivating the Love for Learning section. As for our kitchen table conversation this morning, Jessica and I will be having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey and learning techniques and study skills to help you and your children excel and thrive in 2024. Happy Wednesday and Happy New Year, Jessica. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing this morning? Hey, Johnny. Great to be here. How are you? Doing wonderful. It is a pleasure to have you with me. I am excited to learn more about your store study skills and basically to get a little snapshot of your life. <laughs> yeah, excited to share. Wonderful. Let us start by getting to know you a little bit better. Please give us a quick walkthrough of your life from childhood to the present moment. Yeah, so you're exactly right. I decided early on in elementary school that, yeah, <laughs> that, that I cared about learning, that I really wanted to do well. And I know it, it started simply with with an award ceremony. There, I didn't know that some schools were going to care about straight A's. And so it was one of those things that I got my Condor Award. I was like, oh. 
okay, well, I, I guess this is kind of a cool thing. And my mom was a teacher for many, many years, and I was like, oh, okay, so this this school thing, this learning thing is important. And so it started pretty early, and I, I got to tell you, I liked being the smart one in class. You know, I liked as I got older <laughs> and that, as my other classmates were doing as well. And I was like, oh, well, I can do this. So but that's kind of how, how school started, and from there I just decided, you know, I actually – really do like working with kids one-on-one, and that's kind of how the tutoring happened. Fantastic. That sounds really good. So were you a bookworm as a child, always wanting to learn something new in a way? I, I Probably. I mean, I, I laugh. I can distinctly remember, and as I think it I think it was fifth that, I, I don't remember why, but we had to do this report about hot air balloons. Oh, <laughs> and cool. I, I yeah, I don't know why that that sticks, but I remembered loving that project. But then there was a book I was reading for fun that wasn't near as fun to me as learning about the hot air balloons. And so I, I feel like I, I've only liked certain genres for a long time, not just uh. nonfiction, you know, or the mm-hmm. but certain certain things are always better than others. But yes, I I can say reading was definitely something I did more than a little bit of for many 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 years. <laughs> Interesting. Well, I mean, your mom is a teacher and you like to read, but when there's a difference between, you know, reading and actually learning, I guess, you know, to really absorb things, right? So when did you realize you like to learn? Well, I mean, I know that there's kind of a difference. I see it for myself mm-hmm. as, as a student and I see it myself as the teams I work with that there's kids that they want to learn for the sake of learning, and they've got the kids that they're not necessarily learning, they're just getting the grades that they want or they think they need. Mm-hmm. And right. for me, it was a matter of both. I mean, it was kind of like, if I'm going to learn it, why not <laughs> show that I really know it kind of thing. And right. so it, it was one of those things that it kind of determined maybe a little bit like what the class was, what the teacher was, because, I mean, <laughs> I, I can think about, you know, the history teachers I had in high school and, Unfortunately, I didn't like any of them, and so oh. you know, I don't. I'm not a big fan of history because I watched a lot of movies, Johnny. I don't know what other other parents or their families are going through, but we watch way too many movies in history to make it fun. <laughs> very, very interesting. So, as your mom is a teacher, how did your mom contribute to your learning psyche, though? Oh, well, it's pretty pretty simple. There wasn't the expectation of the straight A's. It wasn't like a do or die kind of thing, but it was very much from as long as I can remember, way before I even knew, you know, what valedictorian mm-hmm. meant, that learning was important. I mean, it, to her it was a, you know, a home where questions like why were okay. You know, it was very much yeah. a, you have a question, let's figure it out together, or and it was also very okay that if she didn't know the answer, that we, we figured it out. Like, she didn't have to know everything. There wasn't any, it doesn't matter. It was a, let's, let's figure it out. <laughs> Did she sort of quizzes you in a way, in a very subtle way, when, you know, mother-daughter kind of thing, we're doing chores and honey, da 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 da, da kind of thing. Does that happen that way? Huh, interesting, Johnny. I, I tell you, I don't remember that. I mean, I can tell you that when it mm-hmm. became important for me that I wanted to do well, that she would help mm-hmm. me in whatever way I wanted. So, I mean, it, mm-hmm. it got to the point that I wanted her to check 
you know, as many assignments and many papers and essays and all those things as possible. But once once I got old enough, like right around the beginning of high school, she's like, yes, I don't know this math anymore. So she's like, oh, you're on your own. But she's looked at every single one of my papers throughout all of high school and college wow. and always knew wow. what, what, what grade I was going to get. So that was nice. Ah, okay. So she was on top of the situation in a way. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. She's an English teacher. So, yeah, definitely 100%. My papers had no problems. <laughs> Fascinating. That's really wonderful. Well, what subject matters intrigue you the most? Well, I got to tell you that I have a biology degree for a reason, so I definitely, definitely mm-hmm. love my science. And mm-hmm. um, I can tell you, even even though I love Egyptian history, I'm really not into history, so I don't exactly know why, but I do love the Egyptian side of things when I go to a natural history museum. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. The uh, is there a reason why you know history does not intrigue you in a way? Um, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of simple. I mean, it really comes down to the teachers I had that I just for whatever reason it just seemed kind of drawing, kind of boring. I I love like the timeline part of history, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. the subject itself. But then when I think about science and the fact yeah. that I was really struggling and like. Was I think clear back in fourth grade, I had some kind of electricity test, and I don't know why, but it was not yeah. easy. Like, it was not making sense, but actually, my granddad is into science even more than I am, and mm-hmm. literally kind of came over and gave me his little science lesson and kind of taught me what I was supposed to evidently have already learned, and it finally clicked, and so I think I just had such a good memory of science with granddad that I love science, whereas not really any good memories <laughs> sitting in class being bored to tears with history teachers, so different kind Yeah. Well, that's interesting, though. Uh, do you feel like science is more of like your natural curiosity-driven type thing versus history? You know, we're learning about things of the past that's not going to change much, so to speak. Yeah. I think that's that's a good point because definitely, definitely I have an analytical mind. So I mean the the idea that that science really can answer that question why that really all of the things you can experiment with. I mean I love the fact that it's either this or it's this or you know we can find out the answer. Yeah, like I, I love that part of science. Very very interesting. That's really wonderful. I know when I was going to school, <clears throat> excuse me, when I was going to school, I mean. History intrigued me in the sense that because I wanted to know what those guys did before. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then when it comes to sciences, uh, it was wonderful as well, like you were saying, because like, hmm, I wonder what I can do next kind of thing. You know, is that sort of uh, uh, that intrigues me, that curiosity kind of driven uh, perspective, so to speak. Uh, so that's just a little different, I guess, you know, from, from my perspective. And, and it was exciting. And of course, I have my days where, ah, I don't want to learn anything. <laughs> <laughs> when did the desire to become a valedictorian, valedictorian uh, of your high school class come about? Well, I wouldn't say it was fourth grade. I mean, it really was... Mm-hmm something as simple as I didn't have an idea what valedictorian meant and mm-hmm. uh, there was like I said an award ceremony at school and I didn't know that anybody like 
straight A's would ever matter. And I didn't know it yeah. mattered, you know, that, that young. But when I came home with that award and I was all excited that there had only been like three or four of us, like in the whole school at the front of the gym saying, you know, hey, here's our special award that no one else got. Talked yeah. to my mom about it. And she's like, well, I was salutatorian. And I'm like, okay, what's that? And I found out uh-huh. that, that she was the second in her class. And uh. I was like, oh. And so I I know I'm, I'm more than a little competitive. And so it was a matter of, well, if she can do two, can I do better than my mom? You know, because I felt like she's <laughs> the best competitor. So. Hey, did you have a bet with your mom? <laughs> you know, it was one of those things when I told her I wanted to make it happen. She didn't tell yeah. me no. She didn't tell me I'm crazy. She didn't say you know, yeah. just yeah. just don't worry about it. She pretty much just said, hey, if you want to do it, I'll help you however I can. And that's how uh-huh. it was throughout all of my childhood and still is, thankfully. That's wonderful. Very, very wonderful. You mentioned you had a competitive mindset by nature. Are you in a way still competitive because that's in your DNA, so to speak? I kind of wonder that. I mean, I think about it, and I know my. I think my dad's pretty competitive, but my uh-huh. mom. I feel like it kind of kind of depends. She's she's nicer about being competitive than I am, because sometimes to me it's that's all I can focus on. I think especially especially in mm. board games. <laughs> oh, okay, that's cool. Yeah, for me, I you know when I was growing up, I was kind of laid back. It was interesting when we talk about school and so forth. And my parents, both of them, grew up during the. Uh, World War, and of course, uh, they didn't, uh, in Malaysia, I mean, they didn't have a chance to go to school or anything like that, and my mom, especially uh, in her generation, when they're old enough, it's Kitchen 101, you know, and Mm -hmm. so that's the thing, and of course, uh, because back then, the way to a man's heart is through his stomach, you know, so you got to be a cook, (laughs) (laughs) but I tell you one thing, though, she does know what A, B, C, D looks like. She couldn't care less what E, uh, you know, is all about. She knows what F looks like. And then forget about the rest of the alphabet. So every <laughs> uh, month that we come home, my sister and I would come home with our reports cut. She knows what those uh, alphabet stands for. <laughs> so you can't mm-hmm. get out of, you know, of anything, right? <laughs> so that's the difference. And uh, But it was very, very interesting. But I'm sure in your case with your mom, uh, may not necessarily be hovering over you. Like uh, I think one of those things uh, years ago, they have the concept of the helicopter mom or something mm-hmm. like that, right? <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> so uh, how was that? I mean, from that perspective, was your mom kind of, uh, you know, uh, soft on those kind of things or kind of let you go on, on those kind of things? I mean, when it came to being a, a good human being, you know, like basically <laughs> kind of behaving, I mean, there were definitely some strict requirements. But when yeah. it came to grades and things, I mean, it was one of those things where I don't feel like I don't feel like she wanted it for me. It was very much a, I, I made the decisions of how hard mm-hmm. I wanted to work, and you know, mm-hmm. if I was going above and beyond as as I was prone to doing, because I'm the one that decided twelve hours was like. It's a good number to study for a test and, uh, wow. you know, when, when to get started on homework and things like I put that first and she, she was okay with that, but didn't say it had to be first. Wow. That's fascinating. See, we have a contrasting lifestyle for me out, you know, right after school, I'm going out to play, have a good time. And when, when it comes to examination time and we do have exams, then I'll hang out with all, uh, for lack of a better term, you know, how one would say all the studious 
friends, right? So I've been hanging out <laughs> <Yep>. with them <laughs> to learn with them, and then uh, I do well during the uh, examinations uh, at the end of the year. That's the one that counts, actually, the monthly one. Who cares? That's a test of knowledge, right? Of uh, learning mm-hmm. and understanding. And then, of course, at the end of the year is that uh, annual exams that will really chart where you're going to go to in the next grade level. And so uh, that's the one that uh, that I usually, you know, like get my uh, ducks in a row, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. And that's what's so crazy is that different countries do it differently, let alone different schools, because it's amazing oh. to me how how sometimes those little quizzes really aren't so little, and then, yeah, mm-hmm. sometimes it's the finals that are half the grade. It's crazy. How right. right, right, right. So that's, and then we also have, uh, comparatively to the United States here, we do have national exams. I remember, uh, mm-hmm. let's see, fifth grade, there was a national exam, ninth grade, and of course, uh, we graduated from high school at 11th grade. So yeah. uh, those are the major hurdles, I guess one would say. So fifth grade, uh, I got my, all my ducks in the row so that I wanted to go to the the best uh, junior high, I guess, uh, mm-hmm. in this case, you know, in, in Malacca, Malaysia. And I did that. And we were, as students, we were graded to whereby, you know, there's so many of us. So uh, each class, they have like, say, fifth grade, class A, fifth grade, class mm-hmm. B, C, D. And I was always in the C class, and we have all the way to D and E. So I thought I was pretty good. I was the average, right? But mm-hmm. when we come to the national exam, um, I mean, you know, I pass uh, with flying colors. I don't know whether it's, uh, it's just a natural thing or it's just like I did study for it, and so I did well, so I go to the, the best schools. And then the funny thing about it is that uh, in uh, let's see, uh, seven, eight, nine, right? Okay, seventh grade, I was in the A class. Eighth grade, I was in the B class. Ninth <laughs> grade, I was in the C class. <laughs> but by the end of the year, take that back. See, by the end of the year, uh, when it's ready to go to high school, I did fantastic for my ninth grade national exam, big time, right? So I'm back again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> To the, uh, to the A level, you know, and so it's really, really funny. How did that goal in terms of the competitiveness, spirit, and mindset rearrange your learning attitudes and skills? Well, for me, Johnny, with what you just said, you know, with those national tests, I would have always wanted to be in the A. I mean, that would have, <laughs> that would have been me. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I, I think about it. We didn't really have, like, big tests certain years, but, I mean, mm-hmm. there was so much state testing, you know, it, it gets to be the point that the school has to be rated a certain way, so, you know, we did lots of testing per class, let alone state testing, but yeah, I think about just, just the fact that I wanted to do well. I mean, it was one of those things that <laughs> even if I didn't like a class, the teacher, it wasn't a matter of, okay, I can just blow this class off. It wasn't a no class is unimportant. It was a, I'm going to kind of walk into every single class with the attitude of, okay, I'm going to figure out what the teacher wants. I'm going to figure out how I'm going to learn this. And then I'm going to do the work and hopefully somewhere in there, enjoy it. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I mean, one has to enjoy it. And I do, though, when the, for lack of a better term, I would call it a crunch time, right? So you got to study for the exams. And I do enjoy that moment. And then afterwards, we'll be like, huh. Thank God, it's out. I'm out of here. 
<laughs> and and that's the feeling that I have. When did you realize and identify you have a personal approach to your learning skills and abilities? Well, that, that's kind of an easy answer. So mm-hmm. I tutor because I, I like working with kids one-on-one, but I didn't even know really what a tutor was until I was a 12th grader, until I was a senior in high school because mm-hmm. I had been studying a certain way, learning a certain way, doing certain things in all my classes for all those years because I knew they worked for me. But then when I got to physics senior year, the teacher literally told me, she's like, Jessica, I can't help you. Like, I was struggling in that class. I, I was very used to going to the teachers before school, after school, in between classes to really kind of get those questions answered because I knew that's the only way I was going to figure it out. And the teacher just was like, we don't, <laughs> we don't communicate. She's like, I don't know how to teach you the way that you need to be taught. And so that's kind of how I ended up looking for a tutor and had somebody that I really liked, but we were only getting mm-hmm. bees together. And I was like, well, that's not good enough. This is like the, the end of the line. So I found a different tutor who was actually a physics teacher in another district, and we got mm-hmm. he got me A's, <laughs> which was amazing, but it was one of those things of I'm extremely visual. Like, I know that, and so it was a matter of, okay, I need to actually see things written down, and I knew I needed to ask questions that he can then kind of point out for me. It wasn't just a talking thing, so I knew that's not what worked for me, but I also knew <laughs> I needed to get some drawing in, some kind of, like, steps written out, so that's part of it, but then also, Johnny, I I love whiteboards, so for Mm -hmm. a very, very long time, I could tell you how much whiteboards have been essential to every study session for me, even even now as a business owner, I have at least five whiteboards in my office, Mm -hmm. and I also love flashcards, so when I'm teaching Mm -hmm. kids how to remember things, well, we talk flashcards a lot because they meet each of the three learning styles. So I know that's mm-hmm. kind of an all over the answer, but definitely physics, I had to really, really rely on how I learned, and yet there's certain things I've used of what it for what it feels like is forever. Very interesting. Do you find that as you graduate, I guess, you know, like I say, from as you you're in your academic uh, journey from grade school to high school and then to college, do you find that these are the things that you talk about? You're a very visual person. So how does that get refined over the years? So one of the things that matters a lot to me when I'm learning and that I try to share with as many students as possible is -hmm. the fact that if I know I'm visual, I have to learn how to adapt in classes that aren't. So like something Mm -hmm. I can think of very simply is that I had to sit close to the board. Like if there was going to be a teacher that was going to be writing a lot on the board, if I couldn't see it, then I was going to be missing out. And then if I had a teacher, especially like my history teacher, not only did we watch a lot of videos, he did a lot of sitting on his butt at his desk and talking and talking and talking. And so someone who's very auditory can just listen and learn me, I'm I'm writing down notes frantically because I'm like, okay, I have to accept the fact I don't know what's going on, I don't know what he's saying, but I can get it down on a piece of paper and learn it later. So that's one mm. of those big things is understanding, okay, the teacher's not teaching the right way for me, what do yeah. I do, how do I adapt? Very, very interesting. So you move into the illustrative side of things where I guess, you know, everything is in motion you can see it's visual versus storytelling is not 
your cup of tea, so to speak. Exactly, yes. If I could read it myself, I would much rather read it myself a hundred times over. Ah, ah. Now, when you read it, this is interesting, though. When I remember, you know, we talk about you, then, you know, history is not something that you uh, fancy. And I like history. I would envision myself to be in the story. Like mm. I was there. And so I, and like you, I was visual itself. Like, you know, I need like, okay, uh, how do you do this? You know, you do that, and you, you know, kind of thing, right? So what I did yeah. was when I was uh, learning history and I would picture myself, hmm, what if I, and then it so happens too. I mean, Hollywood is making those movies, time travel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's like, hmm, why, you know, I'm just, fantasizing myself to be there and wonder I could see things and stuff like that. So uh, that fascinates me from that standpoint of view. Definitely. Yeah, there, there are some definite good movies that are historical, and I, I would be lying, Johnny, if I said I didn't like my historical mm-hmm. fiction books, but there's still that fiction part in it. <laughs> right, right, right. And what fascinates you about fiction, though? That's interesting. Oh, I mean, it's one of those things where I, I like stories, and you know, I like make-believe, but I, I guess for me, <laughs> nonfiction gets a little dry. Like, and honestly, when mm-hmm. it comes to biographies and autobiographies, I'd rather read autobiographies any day because I'm like, I want to hear it from the person because I like to hope mm-hmm. that, you know, it's going to really mm-hmm. sound like that person as close to getting to meet that person as possible. Interesting. You're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. I'm Johnny Tan, your host. Our podcasts are available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Teachers Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixcloud, Podchaser, Listen Notes, and Hop Hopper. Here's a quick reminder to treat yourself to our heart-centered and passion-driven Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine at inspirationsforbetterliving.com. January's theme is the new me in the new year. My guest for... Today is Jessica Colton. Jessica is the founder and CEO of Ace Cookie Tutoring. Since fourth grade, she has dreamt of graduating as the valedictorian and when she finished high school. It might seem silly to a lot of people. However, she was determined. And since then, every homework assignment she completed or the test she studied for in middle school and high school was done in the hopes of earning a 4.0 and being at the top of her class, the valedictorian. Today, besides accomplishing her dream, Jessica uses her Ace Cookies tutoring to help students of all ages excel in their learning journey by offering them her 12 skills, study skills that are personalized to their learning habits and personalities through her Love to Learn Study Skills program. When students discover how to learn at their own pace and understanding, this makes it easier for them and their parents. She works with tweens, teens, and college students to help them achieve their maximum learning potential. Jessica is also one of our featured experts, contributors for our January Inspirations for a Better Living magazine. Please go to inspirationsforbetterliving.com to read her inspiring and empowering story. Write it down in our Cultivating the Love to Learn section. Our kitchen table conversation this morning is about her remarkable life's journey and learning techniques and study skills to help you and your children excel in 2024. Jessica, why did you become a tutor? 
and ACE tutoring came into the picture? Well, I got to tell you that uh, I I love to learn, Johnny. I mean, it's it's as simple as that, and I mm-hmm. like being the one that uh, knew the answers. You know, I liked it in middle school and high school that so many friends, so many classmates would come to me and be like, Jessica, how do I do this? And I always liked to, you know, knowing the answer, I liked having kind of the brains, and that translated into working in education. I, I found myself wanting a different job, and because I have so many family members who are educators, they suggested, hey, why don't you try out being a paraprofessional, a teacher's assistant, and I was like, okay, you know, why not? Why, why not? Because I, A, would like the health insurance, and B, you know, <laughs> it's something I think I'm interested in, and mm-hmm. a para work with students one-on-one a lot. So that's kind of how the tutoring happened is I didn't think I wanted to be a teacher and work with kids kind of in groups. So once I actually liked the one-on-one with the para, it just seemed like a natural transition to go from being in school as a para to then owning Ace Cookie Tutoring. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's a huge deviation because you are in the educational side of education, I guess as Mm -hmm. relatively compared to, say, your bachelor's degree in biology. So how do you, I guess, uh, manage that or balance that? (laughs) uh, (laughs) Kind of how did one happen, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Well, when when I went to college, the thought was that I wanted to get a biology degree because I wanted to be a vet. And then mm-hmm. I also thought that, you know, maybe I'd like to own like a cat cafe or like a restaurant <laughs> or something because I, yeah. I started as, as a waitress at my little local cafe. So I was like, you know, mm-hmm. I really want to open a restaurant. So I thought, well, maybe I need a business degree. But mm-hmm. then I'd also been the the uh, editor-in-chief of my high school newspaper, and that mm-hmm. kind of went really well with the science brain, kind of the facts, you know, the analytics, that kind of stuff. And so I was like, okay, maybe I'll, you know, graduate with, college degrees in like journalism so I could write for like a scientific magazine you know it's like mm-hmm. I thought maybe that's the connection and then I'll worry about the restaurant later kind of thing <laughs> <laughs> so it, it all it all kind of you know got jumbled and I mean it, it started with the first year of college being well you know I definitely want to take biology classes so I was pretty focused on that I was you know sure that mm-hmm. that thing was going to happen but <laughs> I got to tell you, I realized that newspapers weren't doing so well when I started college. It's like, okay, do I really want to write for an online paper only? And I was like, I don't know. You know, so I decided to focus the business and the biology degree. But um, I realized very quickly I didn't like being in the lab <laughs> at college because the high school lab is very, very different than the college lab, which I wish I would have known. <laughs> and um, that's kind of why biology got put on the back burner. So I was like, oh, you know, this lab thing is not for me. So that's kind of, I did the education side of things, the para thing, just as a trial. You know, I had no idea I was going to like it so much. No idea until I actually got there. Interesting. Very, very interesting. So please tell us about ACE tutoring offerings. Yeah. So ACE tutoring, I focus on the study skills. It's very much on working with kiddos one-on-one, and to me that's middle school, high school, and college students, to teaching them how to learn. I mean, I do study skills workshops. Those are the group studies. Those are pretty new. And then my signature program, Love to Learn, is kind of, 
what, what I wish every student in middle school, like seventh grade and on, would get to a chance to go through because I would love for teens to learn these 12 study skills before they walk into high school. Because unfortunately, <laughs> I see it all the time, and I imagine some of our listeners are going through this right now, is that our kids get to a class, they get to a teacher, and they're just not prepared. Like they don't know how to learn because they've never been taught. And instead of thinking, oh, I'm missing a skill, they instead think, oh, you know, I'm really dumb, or oh, I can't learn this, or oh, it's too hard, and that's never, ever the case. Hmm. Okay. That's interesting. And how is ACE tutoring different from other tutoring services? Yeah. So ACE cookie tutoring really focuses on the study skills. Until um, until I really started working with students, you know, after being a parent, really focusing 100% on tutoring, I didn't really realize that what most tutors do and that probably a lot of our parents think they need to do is that content tutoring or that tutoring for a certain class, a certain project, it's not the answer. Where, unfortunately, <laughs> it kind of feels like anybody can be a content tutor. I mean, you know, you know how to do this, and now you can teach other people how to do it. Well, with the study skills, it's long-term. It's one of those things where these study skills are really life skills. And so instead of a child getting through one class, doing really well on a particular test, I teach them how to take notes. I teach them how to manage their time. I teach them how to get motivated so that way they can rely on that skill for every single class they take and literally every single learning opportunity, no matter if it's in the classroom, at home, or maybe someday, you know, 10 years, five years, whatever, down the road in an office. So that's the big difference is the focus on the study skills and the actual how to learn per each child's interest and per each child's learning style. Interesting. So you focus on the individual versus the subject matter. Exactly, yeah, because we all learn differently. And, I mean, we all might take the similar math classes, similar English classes, but yet how we experience it is going to be totally different. And what we do while sitting in that class needs to be individualized. And what we do at home when doing the homework, when studying for that test, from really just learning the information in our own time, it's going to be different, too. Interesting. So please share with us the 12 study skills that you're talking about and how they enhance one's ability to learn and comprehend more. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things to share because I started with nine, Mm -hmm. yet as I go through the program with more and more families and more and more students kind of give me feedback and their parents do, I realize I'm like, okay, I need to break out these skills even more and focus on individual ones that, you know, kind of meet the current needs. So I teach them in a very certain order for very certain reasons, but we always, always start with note-taking, and then we go into Mm -hmm. annotating. And then I like to talk about the kind of study sessions themselves, and then we go to retaining information, and then organization, time management, goal-setting, motivation, soft skills, confidence, self-advocacy, and the latest one is grit and resilience. So those are the 12 Mm. I teach. Interesting. Very, very interesting. And how does these skills enhance one's ability? Because uh, it's kind of, I would think it's difficult to, you know, because they're individualized, right? So Mm -hmm. I guess some students come in with a higher, say, skill number five versus (laughs) skill number one that kind of thing. Uh, Can you walk us through 
say on say an individual so to speak yeah so i would agree that some of these skills some students have like at least an understanding of Mm -hmm. or they think they know how to use them i'll I'll completely agree i mean this list of skills really came about after kind of thinking about what i did to do so well in school what i needed to graduate as a valedictorian and then also thinking about okay what do i see the teams i'm working with not come prepared for in our lessons when I thought I was going to do only content tutoring. And so really I choose these skills because these are the skills I know every student needs. And like I teach note-taking first because mm-hmm. to me it's the most important study skill there is. I mean, how can you possibly do homework? How can you possibly study for that test if you don't have something to refer back to? And mm-hmm. so like we are talking about the kind of personalized side of things you know, if I've got a student that is taking notes, that's always exciting. <laughs> the question just becomes, okay, are you taking notes because the teacher tells you you have to and it's worth a grade? Are you taking the notes the teacher tells you to? Kind of like are you fill it out something, kind of like a fill in the right. blank? Or right. are you just taking down random things? And, you know, like I had one student <laughs> where she literally told me, Johnny, she's like, well, I just open up my notebook, I flip to a random page, and I write something down, and I do that every single class every single day. So like one notebook had six classes mm. in it, but it wasn't like, you know, the first five pages were English and then the next pages were science. No, it was like science, English, history, and I just kind of keep kept repeating in a random order throughout her notebook. <laughs> right, right, right. That's very interesting because you're teaching them behavior skills, I guess, in this case. This, That's part this of it, yeah. Right, right. Very interesting. Are these skills applicable to adults in a way? Because, I mean, we're all constantly oh. learning. I, I would like to think that, you know, no one will come up and say, hey, look, I've learned everything I need to learn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm 100% behind that. I mean, I can't tell you how many times when I meet with a parent or a teen and she tells mm-hmm. me, um, you know, can can I learn these skills too? Like, I've, I've learned there's a lot, a lot of connections between what a teen doesn't know how to do one of these things and then the mama tells me, oh, yeah, I struggled with that too. Or I see a lot of, well, mama says, I have to do it this way, but I don't want to do it that way. Or this way that, you know, I'm trying to teach my child to do it doesn't seem to work. And that's something so many parents and so many students don't understand mm-hmm. is that we all learn differently. So as much as mamas and dads and guardians really want to help <laughs> and teach right. their kids how to do these things, they don't do them the same way, which is when all those kind of arguments, all those kind of bad relationships happen over school. It just comes down to how does your child do it and how do you do it? It's probably very different. Right, right, right. So true. Because now you're talking about individualization of mm-hmm. individuals, basically. You're looking at them from yeah. that standpoint of view. Uh, and I often tell people this. I mean, it, we talk about families and whatnot of people, right? Uh, twins have different habits. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. There's no duplication. I'm, I'm not saying that there's no 100% exact duplication, but I'm saying that there, in some ways, you'll find that's a deviation also, and that's why it's a very individualized approach to things. What should mom and parents look for in their children's learning behavior tendencies to determine if they need tutoring, and in this case, the right kind of tutoring? Yeah, so for me, I start with simply the being proactive instead of reactive. And unfortunately, 
so many families I work with, they don't come mm-hmm. to me until a really bad semester or until, like, even something as severe as a child has dropped out of college. So that's mm. the kind of tip number one would be that if your child says, you know, I don't like this class or someone sees their teen spending lots and lots of time studying for tests and yet the grades that come home don't show the amount of effort, that to me simply means that that child is not studying in the correct way for that particular child. The other thing would be something as simple as if, if any of our listeners have kiddos that don't seem to like school, you know, they seem like they're totally right. uninterested in a certain class, or if they hear anything like kind of lets them know their kid has a negative attitude, you know, this teacher's so mean, or, you know, this teacher's like class is really hard, or something like I'm just bad at math. Like all right. those things are, are indicators mm-hmm. that study skills are missing and that that particular child or person or, you know, adult, whomever, just doesn't know how to learn and it, it doesn't get taught in school. I mean, it's just, just as simple as that, unfortunately. Hmm, interesting. So when is the right time to approach your children regarding tutoring lessons? So for me, with me, with the study skills, it's middle school. Like, I feel like elementary is a little too young. They're still kind of just mm-hmm. basically learning how to do school, right? They're still kind of learning some of those more yeah. basic foundational things. And, yeah, as soon as they hit middle school, I've worked with some sixth graders that are, you know, more on the mature side. But yeah. seventh grade, I feel like, is, is the sweet spot because it gives us enough time to really figure out, okay, you know, here are the study skills. How can you use them now? And then how does it relate to you and your interest and what personally works for your learning style? And that way, if we can learn it in seventh grade, they've got a whole year in eighth grade to practice. And since a lot of schools, ninth grade is the first year of high school, well, that way they walk into high school that first day. There's not the, oh, my goodness, you know, new building, oh, my goodness, new teachers and too many students and, like, this building's huge. Instead, it's, uh, okay, you know, that stuff's new, but I don't have to worry about me. You know, I don't have to worry about keeping up with the homework. I don't have to keep up, worry about, man, this curriculum's faster, that students mm-hmm. that have these study skills in middle school, high school, they're like, you know, I know how to do this. It's just a new building, new teachers, but I know what works for me. I know I know how to learn. It sounds to me you hit a very interesting topic here because – when you look at grade school, in a way, mm-hmm. that's that journey that a child starts, and not only they're learning about, for lack of a better term, math, English, geography, mm-hmm. or whatever that is, they're learning about themselves, how yeah. their methodology of learning. And then mm-hmm. they soon realize that, hmm, I'm a visual, or hmm, I'm a kind of person that like to sit there and have this person just tell me the story. <laughs> yep, exactly. Their learning style, I guess, for lack of a better term here. And then so to, and you want to have them really discover that on their own so that they know, for lack of a better term, areas of strength and areas of opportunities. Correct? I mean, it, it does definitely happen kind of on student zone. I mean, that's, Something that I see a lot is when I mm-hmm. work with a student, the very first thing I have them do is there's this online assessment that I love to have them take. It takes like five minutes. It's 20 multiple choice questions, and mm-hmm. it really determines their learning style. And right. you make a point. The thing is, a lot of the students that when they take it in seventh grade, they usually have a good idea by that point, okay, this is what I have been doing. 
or this is what I wish would be happening. And so definitely most students have kind of like a number one learning style. Sometimes I'll see where they're like really close, you know, right around the 30% for each of them. And that right. mean just always means, okay, in elementary school, maybe they didn't have enough successes or consistencies to see, okay, I, I usually want to listen to the story or I usually want to read the story and they haven't seen it enough or maybe they don't realize what's working. And that's part of what makes the Love to Learn program so important. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very interesting. Yeah, I, I it just as you were sharing all those, it just reminds me because, I mean, I don't know about over here, but ever since uh, I would say certainly in junior high, we were having to take as many as 10 subjects in a year, mm-hmm. continuously ongoing. And so what happens is that uh, in grade school and middle school, for lack of a better term here, uh, we are exposed both the arts and sciences, right? And mm-hmm. when I say mm-hmm. arts here, we're literally talking about, can you draw? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go to your art class kind of thing, you know, can you uh, sketch something up? And so those are the things that I don't really care for, but that doesn't mean that I, I want to end up with an F. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Right, because it affects the entire uh, grade, right? So mm-hmm. you still oh, yeah. want to have a respectable grade so that it doesn't bring down your overall GPA. And then, of course, uh, in, like, say, where I grew up, when oh that's when that national exam comes in the ninth grade where we have this huge national exam it filters us to the arts and the sciences so i end up being mm-hmm. in the sciences versus the arts and the sciences once you go into the sciences you lo- you no longer have to study about history you don't have to study about the drawing and industrial arts and those kind of things but you focus on the sciences basically and so uh so now you think, you know, like, oh, okay, I'm right down the alley that I like. <laughs> uh, but what you're saying is that, well, Johnny, it doesn't matter because for this one year or two years or whatever, you can use these techniques and your own style, your own personality, your own behavior tendencies to ace it. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's one of those things where it's not the classes that matter, the subjects that matter. Right. It's just literally, literally what techniques for you do you bring? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I've had students that love, like, say, volleyball. And so it's like, okay, how can you do something as practicing like you're bumping or you're studying while practicing your spelling words? So she's very kinesthetic. I've got another student that loves basketball. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, okay, can you use right. little basketball stickers in your notes to annotate instead of, you know, using a <laughs> highlighter? Like, if that makes you happier, then do that. There's nothing wrong with that. Right, right, right. Because that's that psychological side of the equation here, because what uh, triggers you off and look at it from a very proactive perspective. Oh, yeah, for sure. Proactive is always better in my world when it comes to learning. Always. (laughs) (laughs) Well, how has becoming a tutor impacted you personally? Well, I definitely feel like I'm learning a lot more, you know, whether whether it's just the kind of things it takes to run a business kind of thing, you know, there's so uh-huh. much in that. But then just the fact is that I love essentially getting to do homework with students. I know I know that's always made me a nerd. It's just the fact that 
I've never been like, oh, homework. It's always been like, what do you mean you didn't give me homework? So, I mean, it's exciting <laughs> to just get mm-hmm. to see kind of, okay, what's being taught in this state versus the state that I grew up in versus, mm-hmm. oh, they're covering that now. And, you know, oh, do I even remember how to do that, let alone, okay, <laughs> well, this is how we're going to break this down using the study skill. So that's one thing is just the fact that I, I like to constantly be refreshed with what's going on in school and mm-hmm. I guess I'm trying to think Johnny is just it's a matter of I like people you know it's it's nice to get to meet different students from different backgrounds and just really learn how mm-hmm. are they approaching school because there are so many teens out there that I feel like they could do so much better with the right skills and that's, right. that's what's so exciting is I know that by helping them learn that okay you can learn whatever it is you want to that's going to positively impact so many more people, whether it's their friends, it's their classmates, even just their family, intact family, which is it's just so awesome to me. Wonderful. That's really awesome. Where can someone go to get more information about AIDS tutoring services and keep up with your latest happenings? Yeah, so I love to have mamas in my Facebook group, so that's a really good place. If they go to Facebook and they search for Teaching Teens to Love Learning, a group for mm-hmm. mamas, and then I do have a website, so it's ACE cookie tutoring so ace you know ace then cookie like eat and then tutoring.com <laughs> that has like a link to book a free consultation that's what i really like to do with mamas and teens is to meet them one-on-one for a quick chat just to really figure out okay what's really going on and to figure out okay how can study skills help and is the love to learn program the right fit very interesting and that's true too because like uh my son is not doing well in physics. Are you a physics tutor? And it's like, no, but I could tell you how I could tell your son, I could teach your son how to be an excellent <laughs> student. Mm-hmm. Because of what is physics exactly. or chemistry or math for that matter. And that's a different scenario because parents have a tendency, you know, like, okay, well, Johnny needs to have some uh, tutoring in history. Uh, Johnny needs to have a uh, tutoring in geography, and I'm looking for a specific geography teacher. <laughs> exactly. And what you're saying and is that, that don't do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's one of those things where I will admit that sometimes we got to get the content knowledge caught up a little bit before we can really worry about the study skills because yeah. it's one of those things where it's like, okay, the study skills are going to make a difference like immediately. <laughs> Right. But at the same time, it's like if we have so many missing assignments, it's like, okay, <laughs> you know, that's why I have contractors that teach some of those subjects that I don't. Because like you said, physics, Precise. like I still have nightmares about that from high school, and then I take it in college too. So, <laughs> Precisely. That's the uniqueness because I think people need to understand what you do is that you evaluate the child's learning tendencies, skills, what their strengths and weaknesses are, and as you help them equipped with the right behavior tendencies, and then you can funnel them to, like you say, the subcontractors who are, their only specialty is, hey, I only teach art, man. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> you know, Someone that specializes it more than I do. <laughs> Precisely. Yeah. And, and respectfully, that's natural. I mean, some areas of specialty, for lack of a better term. Uh, oh, that's, yeah. That's, yeah, that's totally uh, natural. So what's next for you? Well, I, I know I'm going to keep tutoring. I mean, I'm not going to stop that anytime soon, Johnny, just because I love it. I mean, and, and it just makes me so happy to hear parents tell me, like my most recent student that finished my program, 
His mom's mm-hmm. like, uh, it's night and day. <laughs> like, you know, she tells me she's like, uh, when he was in junior, he had no free time. This year, he actually has free time. So she she just is amazed about that. And right. I know that I want to write a book. I know that mm-hmm. I want to get into the schools and give presentations. I also know mm-hmm. that I want to create homeschool curriculum. So I feel like that's kind of where I'm going Immediately Mm -hmm. next is because if I can kind of make my program into curriculum that students can really do on their own, that can help the homeschoolers directly, and then I can also take that to different schools and even hopefully reach more families if their teens want to do it more on their own. Wonderful. That's fascinating. Wonderful. Totally wonderful. As we're coming close to the end of the hour, since our show is about people, family, and living life, would you like to share a recipe for living with our listeners this morning? (laughs) <laughs> so I've been thinking about this one for a while since you since I, I knew that was a question you were going to ask, Johnny. So <laughs> I, I feel like it, it's a combination of family because my mom and sister are very close to me. And I also yeah. feel like there needs to be some actual baking because I, I absolutely love to bake. That's why cookies <laughs> in, my, in my business name. <laughs> and um, I also got to think about the learning side of things. I mean, to me, one of the most important things we can do as people, as humans, is just literally if we have a question that we don't just go, oh, I don't care, oh, you know, I don't need to figure it out, just to really want to be curious, to really want to learn. Even if it's a quick Google on the phone with a, like, what is this thing or how does this work, you know, whether that's a parent doing that or if a teen asks the parent, something as simple as that, just being willing to learn and ask those questions. So those are the big ones for me and hopefully a little bit of fun in there too. <laughs> oh, fantastic. That sounds really good. I mean, it sounds to me like, you got to let the curiosity of life lead you and oh, ask questions. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. I always tell people, I said, you know, remember when you were a kid, you always ask why? Don't stop. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> exactly. And there's, and there's, they've done all sorts of research on that, Johnny, about when we stop doing that. And that's right around uh-huh. like that second, third grade level, I believe. It's, it's kind of crazy really? that we just stop that question and that's why we don't love to learn after a certain point Mm -hmm. oh wow that's fascinating that's really wonderful because why is to me is uh, you know it 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 really triggers within yourself inquiry minds wants to know Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. And that, like I said, when I saw that, and I'm pretty sure it's really young. It might be even younger than second, third grade. I just, I just remember going, oh, wow. well, that explains a lot of what I see with middle schoolers. If they don't want to learn anymore, then, well, it's been that long. Wow. You know, this is interesting, though. I mean, just between you and I, and when I mean by between you and I, because we, you know, we were all children at one time, and we lived mm-hmm. in families and so forth. But uh, I, and of course, we attend schools and whatnot, right? Do you think that the it's kind of very subtle because somewhere along the line, the adults were saying, "Quit asking why, just do it." Mm-hmm. And do you think oh, that yeah. kind of you know mums it up, so to speak? You know what I'm talking about? Like you ask too many questions, like, and then before you know it, as a child, oh, okay, maybe that's not the right thing to do, and then that goes that sort of, it, I I just got you know snub kind of. Thing. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, yeah. I, I think that's very true. I mean, the people that are in our lives really encourage or discourage the learning. I mean, I feel like that's why I'm partly so lucky is that there was never a, uh, you know, we're not yeah. going to figure out that answer or it doesn't matter. It, it might have been a, I don't have the answer now, but we can look it up later kind of thing, you know, especially right. before the age of cell phones and the Internet, you know, make myself feel old. But, you know, that, that, uh, <laughs> it was a little tougher to find some of those answers. Right, right, right. So true. So true. Well, Jessica, thank you for the wonderful recipe for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mom's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me next Wednesday morning, January 17 at 10 a.m. Central Time, U.S. My guest will be Sandy Robinson. She is an author and a board-certified holistic nurse. For the past 25 years, she has been a notable corporate and healthcare system manager, leader, and educator of wellness. Sandy and I will be having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey and her latest book, Why Am I Eating This? Is this the nourishment I need to help us nourish ourselves better in 2024? For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to FromMyMama'sKitchenTalkRadio.com. Thank you for listening and have a very blessed new year. Jessica, it's been a true pleasure. Thank you again and have a very blessed 2024. Awesome. Thank you, Johnny. This is, a, this is a great start to my new year, so thank you. Oh, fantastic. Thank you. Bye-bye. Later.